0: thank you praise team musicians thank you Kathleen that was a beautiful song beautiful words turn with me in your Bibles if you would to the Old Testament 2nd Kings that's after 1st and 2nd Samuel and it's right before 1st and 2nd Chronicles so that'll help you find it a little bit if you find one of those others you, you give you a little idea where's that uh, we want to welcome everyone. Welcome everyone that's watching online. Again, I would like to say I hope moving the service hasn't inconvenienced people too much. You know, we have to take other things in consideration besides just the roads, even though, uh, the, you know, the back uh, roads and neighborhood roads still had some black ice and there was a warning out from the National Weather Service. But also we had a beautiful wedding here yesterday but when we were leaving for the wedding it was only about five six o'clock maybe there was black ice all in the parking lot so not only do we have to think about the roads we have to think about the parking lot too we don't want you to slip and break a bone out there in the parking lot either so we there's a lot of variables going into making those decisions so we're glad you're here and glad you're watching online i want to start a new series today on uh, the unseen world. The unseen world. This will not be a long series, maybe three or four messages. We're going to talk about things like angels, demons, unseen places like heaven, hell, Hades, uh, Tartarus, the abyss, the bottomless pit, and so forth. So we're going to talk about The unseen world. So we begin in 1 Kings in chapter 6. Once we start reading, you'll recognize this beloved Old Testament passage. Let's pick it up in verse 15. And it says, And when the servant of, of the man of God was risen early, and gone forth, behold, a host compassed, or surround the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, that him is Elisha. The servant, the name's not given, but apparently a young man who is uh, serving under him, a young prophet who's trying to learn how to be a prophet. And uh, he says to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? What are we going to do? There's the army of Syria had surrounded them during the night. There was no escaping. A pretty large army of Syria, not their whole army, but a large portion of their army was there in this little town of Dothan. And uh, notice he says, Alas, or oh me, what are we going to do? Verse 16, And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Sounds like he's quoting from the New Testament. 1 John 4, 4, where it says, Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Therefore, we don't have to fear. And that's what he's saying here. And then look at verse 17. And and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes... The eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire round about elisha i've always found it interesting that elisha's eyes were not opened to see this he just knew it by faith he didn't need to have his eyes open he knew god was big enough to take care of him whatever the circumstance but this young man had his eyes open and he actually saw part of the unseen world wow that's pretty remarkable isn't it pray with me father thank you for our time together the good singing thank you for your love teach us now from your word today speak to us encourage us revive us i pray In Jesus' name, amen, amen. uh, Syria and Israel have been at war off and on for 3,000 years. And even today, you see them in the news. In 1948, when Israel became a nation again, Syria refused to recognize Israel as a nation. And they still refuse to recognize Israel as a nation today and they're still at odds, opposed to each other. At this particular time here, there, there was a period of time when there would be a little peace and then there would be war again. But when this takes place, Syria, the king of Syria, probably ben Adad II, though he's not named here, he, he was sending raiding parties into Israel. So, you know, they would go in and, and do looting. They would steal stuff and carry off the food from villages and so forth in raiding parties. And uh, so they were, it was pretty profitable, I would assume. Well, then the Lord began to tell Elisha where Benadad and his bunch was going to be. He began to give Elisha the plans of these raiding parties. And so Elisha would tell the king of Israel. And the king of Israel checked it out, sent some spies out there, and sure enough, they were there ready for a raid. That happened, the Bible says, one time, or not just one time and not just two times. In other words, it was, happen- it was an ongoing thing and so finally, King Benedict of Syria said to his officers, we've got a spy. Somebody in our group is letting this information out to Israel and they're stopping our raiding parties. You know, you can imagine in your mind, if, they, if you knew they were, they were going to raid at this particular place, you could send a, a troop of, uh, you know, a group of your soldiers there to stop that raid. So they begin looking for the spy, and one of the officers comes to ben and says, We don't have a spy. The God of heaven is telling his prophet, Elisha, our plans. And it doesn't matter if you, just, if you come up with those plans in your bedroom, because God knows what you say in your bedroom, and he can give it to Elisha. So Benadad come up with his own plan. He said, send somebody out and find out where Elisha is. So they sent somebody out. They came back with the message. He's in Dothan. Dothan was a small town. Uh, Not a big city. It would be like a, we would think of it as a village maybe. A small town or village. And so uh, they come back with this report. And so Benedad sends a large group of horses and chariots and all that to bring in one man. <laughs> and uh, so they go up at night so they can surprise him, which doesn't make a lot of sense because if God's telling him what's going on, it doesn't matter if you're at night or during the day, but at any rate, they go up at night and they surround this little village of, of Dothan. And that's when the Elijah's... Servant, the young prophet goes out and sees what's going on. He probably went out to get some water early in the morning and he saw the soldiers and he comes back all upset and beside himself and says, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the old man of God is calm and at peace and he says, don't be afraid. God is on our side. They that are with us are more than they that are with them. It'll be all right. Maybe the young man didn't respond very well, and so Elisha says, "Lord, open his eyes and let him see." And he looked around and saw the, uh, something that looked like chariots and horses, and, and they were uh, afire round about Elisha and Dothan. Well, you probably know the rest of the story too, but I'll tell it just for the uh, to complete the story. Uh, Elisha then prays that God will close the eyes of the Syrian army, send blindness on them, and God does that. And then Elisha goes out and says to the leaders, uh, the, the, the place and the person you're looking for is this way, follow me. Well, they're all confused and blinded, so they begin to follow him, and he leads them up to the capital city of Israel. At, at that time, it was Samaria. Samaria. And he leads them up into Samaria. And then he asks the Lord to open their eyes. They open their eyes. And here they are in, the, in their enemy's uh, primary city, capital city. And they're surrounded by the whole army of Israel. And so the king of Israel, Jehoram, then he says to Elisha, What shall I do? What shall I do? And he calls him my father, which is a very respectful term he called Elisha. He was not always so respectful. But at this point, he was. And he, and, uh, Elisha, he said, shall, shall we kill him? Elisha said, No, don't kill him. You wouldn't execute people you caught in, in, a, in a battle or in a war with a sword. Feed them. And so they made a big feast, and they fed their enemies, and they ate together. And as the story comes to an end, it says, Then there was peace in the land. A lot of beautiful things about that story being good to your enemy and of course it was an oriental custom that uh, people who ate together were bonded as friends that might have played a part in there being peace in the land after that for a while but the peace was short-lived and Syria would come back and uh, surround uh, uh, Israel or surround Samaria and that's a story for another day well what we're thinking about is this unseen host these flaming chariots and horses of fire the unseen world you know we sing a song around here the name of it is whom shall i fear when i think of it i think of it as The God of Angel Armies. That's the term that comes to me. But the real name of it is Whom Shall I Fear? And part of it says, The God of Angel Armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever is a friend of mine. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? You know, Clarence... Uh, uh, Clarence Larkin said at about 1921 maybe he said the only thing to combat the terrible materialism of our day is to get a fresh look at the unseen world what we can see is not all there is and so we're going to speak about beings and places but today we're going to think more kind of focus in on angels there is the word angel is used 103 times in the old testament it's used 175 times in the new testament But not only are these angelic beings called angels, they're called uh, the sons of God, holy ones, a host, men in white apparel, men in shining apparel, and in this case, chariots of fire. When you put all those together, there's over 360 references to angels in the Bible. Now, you may have heard someone say in the past, and I've said it myself, and it's true. The word angel means messenger. It can refer to a human messenger, but in all of those 300 places, uh, it only refers to a human messenger in the Bible about 10 times. The rest of the time, it refers to a supernatural messenger, angels. And so, the Old Testament 17 books mention angels. In the New Testament, 17 books. 34 books in the Bible mention uh, angels. I have a quote here regarding the, the reference of angels by the Lord Jesus. Jesus referred to the resurrected state as comparable to angels. Matthew 22. He taught that angels would regather the nation of Israel at the time of his return, Matthew 25. Therefore, the existence of angels is tied to the reliability of the testimony of Christ. Jesus referred to angels as though they were truly in existence. Not to believe angels exist, of course, would... uh, would uh, indicate we didn't believe the very words of the Lord Jesus. So angels. Now I'm going to give you some things about angels in a moment, but you could preach a whole series for a year on angels. Well, 360 plus passages, that would take a while, wouldn't it? And so I recommend if you want more information, uh, Billy Graham has a great book, on angels if you just you just google it you'll find it uh, even uh, Amazon has it i I bought a hard copy when it first come out years ago read it several times but I recently bought the uh, uh, the uh, Amazon on Kindle I think it was only nine dollars and also uh, Dr. Jeremiah has a book out on angels that would be great Now, I'm saying that to say this. I wouldn't read just anybody's book on angels. There's so many different opinions. And a lot of times they're talking about things that come from, uh, from mythology instead of what comes from the Bible. Or they're talking about things that come from the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha or things that were written during the time when the Bible was being put together, but they were classified as not inspired. And so you can't count on them to be true and right. So I would be sure you knew the name of the author when you, when you read a book on angels. Even Googling angels, you get quite a variety of, of uh, craziness. So uh, be careful uh, in, in your research. Be sure you're researching what the Word of God says. Now, as I said, I'm going to give you a few things about angels and just ten things, really, of the characters, but I'm also the characteristics of angels, but also I'm going to give you some names of angels and so forth. So look up at your screen and let's look at these together. And I'll move through them quickly. So those of you who like to write things down, you may not be able to write them down. I'm going to put a, a, a page of these references together and have it for you next time angels named in Scripture. We have Michael, who's named. We have Gabriel, who is named. And we have Lucifer. Only three Only three angels are named. Now, if you Google angels, one of the first things that'll come up is somebody will say there are seven archangels, and they'll give you all the names. That comes from the Apocrypha, not from the Word of God. In the Word of God, there's only three angels named. And then there are some classifications of angels, as we might call them. An archangel, and, and uh, Michael's the only one in the Bible who is called an archangel. Archangel seems to be a term of great authority. And then there are cherubim. Cherubim is plural, and... Uh, And the cherubim, along with the seraphim, they are worshiping and praising God and lead. They're they're the worship leaders in heaven. They're, They're leading everybody in worship of the Lord. Cherubim and seraphim. That's the only three classifications we have. Now I'll give you those ten thoughts on the nature of angels. The nature of angels, angels are spirit beings Hebrews 1 14 tells us I tell you I'm going to do something a little different in a moment I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes but not yet first I want you to focus on on me here I am look at me look at the pulpit look at the flowers look at this right here picture it in your mind okay now and do this at home too now close your eyes don't look don't peek now you cannot see me you cannot see the pulpit you cannot see the flowers does that mean they do not exist does that mean they're not a reality just because you can't see them there are things that are unseen to human eyes they're just as much a reality as the things we see all right look this way these things are still here aren't they i don't know but i think you'll think me a little strange but there may be an angel in this building right now there may be one in the back corner front corner There may be a couple hovering overhead we don't know that we can't see them but the the fact that we can't see them doesn't mean they're not here that they're not a reality angels are a reality the word of god teaches and jesus taught it himself and so one more bear with me one more time Okay, look at me, pulpit, flowers. Now bow your head. Close your eyes. Don't look. Don't peek. Suppose someone came over the intercom and said, We're moving the pulpit and the flowers out into the hallway. And Pastor Paul is moving out into the hallway as well. Now suppose you heard that. And you probably would believe it if I heard it and I sat in the pew and came over the intercom, I would believe it but then suppose I said what you just heard is not true the pulpit is still here the flowers are still here and I'm still standing here would you believe my word that's faith you couldn't see me you got your eyes closed but you Believe it's there. Or suppose I went a step further and say, I promise you the pulpit is still here, the flowers are still here, I'm still here. Would you believe my promise? Well, that's faith. Open your eyes. So we cannot see these things, but by faith we know they exist, we know their reality. The unseen things of this world, created by God Himself. He not only created the seen the Reva, uh, Romans 1 he created the unseen as well. So angels they are spirit beings number 2 they are created beings God created them they're not they haven't been around like God of all eternity they are created simultaneously So there wasn't several times where there was a group of angels created. They were all created all at one time, simultaneously. And there is so many of them that they are innumerable, like the sands of the sea or the stars of the sky. They're innumerable, the angels that God created. Angels are incapable of death. They don't marry. Jesus said, they don't have children, so their number doesn't get any bigger, and they don't die, so their number doesn't get any smaller. When God created them all, they're all still in existence. The same number, that innumerable number, uh, that uh, was when he created them. Angels are a higher order than man, Hebrews tells us. There are several ways to look at that. This might help just a little bit. Angels are stronger than men, but not omnipotent. They have more power than mankind, but they're not omnipotent like God. But they have great power. For instance, one angel destroyed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. One angel destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. One angel rolled away the stone from the empty tomb of Christ. One angel, when Jesus comes back, one angel will take Satan and bind him and throw him into a bottomless pit. Amen? Amen. These are remarkable beings, spirit beings. Not only are they stronger than men, they're wiser than men. But they're not omniscient like God. They don't know everything. They know what God tells them and instructs them to do and so forth. And then angels minister to the heirs of salvation here's the one strong purpose given to us in hebrews you and i are heirs of salvation and i think he used the term heirs instead of just saying they minister to save people though that's true but you know before you were saved you were an heir of salvation the lord knew you were going to be his before the foundation of the world he knew that i'm not talking about calvinism i'm talking about god's Uh, omniscience that he knows his own from before the foundation of the world and so even before you got saved you were an heir of salvation and uh, and his angels would watch over you and take care of you and keep you from harm and if it wasn't time for you to die keep you from dying you know it's If you start to think about it, I wonder how many times in our lives we were about to run off the road and the angel pushed us back in line. Or maybe uh, there was something going on uh, in the road ahead of us and maybe we had a little car trouble and slowed down a little bit and didn't get there in time. Karen and I have experienced that at least on one occasion pretty miraculously. They're watching out for us. That's their job. Now, now think about Elisha. He didn't have to be afraid. There was more with him than was with the enemy. You and I are not great prophets, but you and I are heirs of salvation. And so these angels are, have come to minister to us. And so, they ministered to the heirs of salvation. Let me read to you some things angels did for Christ. Angels predicted his birth. Angels protected him in infancy. That is, remember, they, they warned Joseph. Angels ministered to him after the temptation. Angels strengthened him in Gethsemane. Angels announced his resurrection. Angels attended to his ascension. And angels will attend his second coming. But let me show you then some things how angels minister to us, the heirs of salvation. Again, taken from Scripture and from illustrations and from statements. There's, they provide physical protection. David experienced physical protection uh, when he was forced to flee from the Philistines. The angels protected him. Physical provision. Elijah, when he was weakened in his journey, had angels nourish him and provide for him encouragement they encourage us when when paul was on that boat that ship and had this great uh shipwreck before that the angels came to him and encouraged him so they encourage us they direct us like The angel directed Philip to go down and speak to the Ethiopian. They assist in prayer. Daniel tells us that an angel assisted in the answering of his prayer. And then one day, they will carry us off to glory. The Bible says that the angels took uh, Lazarus and carried him up to glory. Angels all around us, protecting us, watching out for us and so forth. That all gives us a little bit of comfort, don't you think? Greater is more for us than that are against us. Now here we might think about that term guardian angel. Do each of us have a guardian angel? Well, there are some people who believe that, and there's probably some evangelicals that lean towards that, but most evangelicals believe that we have angels watching over us, but it doesn't have to be a particular one angel that watches over me, and a different angel that watches over Karen, and he's gonna watch over Karen for her whole life. But, it, but we all have angels watching over us. So in that sense, it's like a guardian angel. Now, the term that evangelicals use to understand guardian angels is in Matthew 18 verse 10 where it talks about don't hurt little children because their angels are always beholding the face of the Father in heaven uses the term their angel which makes it sound like their personal angel but it uses then the term angels which means maybe there's more than one watching out for a child and so Maybe not exactly the way we've heard it before, but they are guarding over us. Here's a couple of pictures I thought were beautiful. I don't know if you can see that one well or not, but those little children are walking across a bridge that looks extremely dangerous. Boards are missing, and they could fall and get hurt, and there's an angel watching over them. Evelyn Miller, Terry Miller's mother, this was one of her favorite pictures she had one in her house and it was my mother had one just like this in her house as well Karen and I were laughing saying my mother and my spiritual mother which was Evelyn both had these pictures hanging in their house of an angel watching over children here's another one I don't know if you can tell it or not but that's the edge of a bluff they're right there at the edge of a bluff and that angels right there to Keep them from falling over. They're watching over us and taking care of us. Now, number 10, the last one is this. Angels can be encountered without us being aware, without us knowing about it. Now, sometimes angels appear, they look just like a human. They manifest themselves to do that. You remember Abraham had men come up and sat with him in his tent. They were angels. One of them was the Lord Jesus in a pre-incarnate appearance. But they looked like men. And one of those angels that just looked like a regular man, one of those angels went down and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So sometimes they just look like human beings. And sometimes they have shining garments. And sometimes they, you know, they glow like the sun. And there's different manifestations when they do manifest themselves. This passage says you you might run into a stranger and entertain or come in contact with an an angel and not be aware of it. Uh, my time's getting away I have to hurry on here. I guess I should take the moment take enough time to tell this. There was a man many of us here knew that we met about 25 years ago, if you've been around the church that long. His name was Russell Clayton. Russell Clayton was one of the most interesting men I'd ever met. He spoke seven languages. He spoke Greek and Hebrew fluently. He had a tremendous intellect. He had three master's degrees and two doctorate degrees. He was a pianist and he played a concert in Carnegie Hall. He also played in big concert halls in Europe. But all of that education and that experience took place before he came to Christ because he became an alcoholic. And he ended up playing the piano in a bar and walking home From a bar one night, someone gave him a track, and even though he had a doctorate degree in world religions, somebody gave him a little gospel track. You never know what you might do with a testimony or a track, do you? He read that track and came to Christ and was delivered from his alcoholism. He was the most humble man I had ever met, the kindest and most gentle man. He spoke very softly. He was hard, hard to hear from the pulpit. You had to kind of lean in, you know, and, and listen close. He sometimes would do his hands like this when he was talking to you. He would say, Preacher Paul, you're so kind to me, Preacher Paul. And he, he was just, he was a remarkable man. I've sat with him for hours and hours away from the pulpit where just he and I were talking. He told me so many stories about angels I wish I had written. I I bought him a tape recorder one time and took it to him and begged him to tell those stories in a tape recorder. I'd go back and check the next day and he'd say, well, I was studying and I just didn't get to it. One time he told me, I I forgot which button to push. (laughs) I wish I had all those stories. I wish I'd written them down or sat there with him and got them all. At least 20 stories in great detail he could tell about angels intervening in his life. He would say to me, now, Pastor Paul, I don't say that stuff from the pulpit because people might think I'm just making that up. And uh, I don't want people to think that. But I do remember one at least he traveled all over America. He didn't have a car, never had a driver's license. He rode with truck drivers. He had a network of truck drivers that would take him to New York and California and and um, Chicago and, and down in Florida to Miami to the meanest cities in our country. He would go and he would preach on the street corner. He would pass out tracts and witness to people. And it wasn't the preaching on the street corner like you think of, somebody talking real loud. No, he would... Just stand there till somebody walked by and he would say, Would you like to have a track? And if they said yes, then he would start to talk to them about Jesus. He led many, many people to Christ that way. But he he often got beat up by because he was on these mean streets. He got stabbed three times, he got shot one time in the knee when i first met him he was just getting over being shot in his knee was still limping pretty bad first time he came to our church and preached about 25 30 years ago and uh, so he was with these mean people all the time and he was all the time getting beat up and that's the times when sometimes the angels would step in one particular story i remember was on the streets of new york city it was just about dark and he was on a street corner preaching and a gang, some gang members came up and they started kicking him and they pushed him down and kicked him while he laid on the ground and so forth. And some people across the street saw it happening and they were hollering. They were saying, leave that old man alone, you know. I mean, this is a man, you know, at that point in time he was 60, 70 years old. And, uh, and so he said then they, two of them grabbed him by his arms and two of them grabbed him by his legs and they were swinging him. He was, his stomach was down and there were four of them holding him. They were swinging him out. He was a little bitty man too, by the way, except for his belly. <laughs> and they were swinging him. They were going to swing him in to the tra- traffic. He said, all of a sudden, they stopped, laid him down and looked terrified and ran away. Well, when they ran away, the people across the street that had been watching all of this, they ran over. They ran over and, to help him. And he thanked them, you know, thank you. He was so gracious. And, and then one of them said to him, One of them said to him, who was that big man dressed in white? And they said, when that big man came up, that's when they all turned and ran away. He said, Pastor Paul, he said the Lord Jesus sent one of his angels to take care of me that day. We would sit for hours and he would tell such stories. But now listen. We're not supposed to pray to angels. We're not supposed to talk with them. We're not supposed to fellowship with them. We're not supposed to worship them. We're not supposed to trust them. We are to trust the Lord Jesus. He's the the head of the angel army. And if we need angels, he'll send them when and where. And his timing is always perfect. But it's comforting to know they're there. And they're at his command. And they're watching over his people. One last verse right here. There's the verse about entertaining angels unaware. And then this one, referring to Moses. By faith he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He didn't have his eyes on angels. <laughs> he had his eyes on the Almighty. That's how we endure. Remember the word endure doesn't mean you just made it through. Endure means to make it through with the right attitude. It's a compound word. He endured because he had his eyes on the one who is invisible. There is an unseen world and we can trust the one who is invisible. Bow with me please. With our heads bowed Maybe you'd say, Preacher, I know I'm saved, no doubt about that. But sometimes I'm fearful, like Elisha's servant. Sometimes I get upset and anxious and afraid in life. And I want you to pray for me that I'll endure whatever hardship because I've got my eye on the one who is invisible. The one who controls the angel armies. If that's your request today, would you slip up your hand right where you are? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere, you may put them down. God bless you. Maybe you'd say this, Preacher, I've never been saved. I've never had my sins forgiven by Christ. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? No one will embarrass you or come to you. We want to pray for you. Anyone like that? Anyone? All right. Father, thank you for our time together in the Word. Lord Jesus, our eyes are upon you. We can't see you with these physical eyes. One day we will see you with glorified eyes. But we see you by faith walking with us beside us you're our friend and you are the god of angel armies we thank you for that you've seen the hands of your people this this old world we're living in gets fearful and we get anxious and nervous and afraid teach us to cast it all on you and keep our eyes on the one who is invisible as moses did in christ's name amen amen stand with me please we're going to sing together and as we do if you'd like to come for prayer we invite you to come